This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging it's time for dimland radio with your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And you remember last week's show? Right toward the very end, I talked about uh, getting that Satan mask. It's a wall decoration. It's about 18 inches tall, and it's uh, based on the old type, old style of Halloween masks that we used to have uh, when we were kids, if you're my age, uh, which is old. Um, I talked about that, and, 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 and going back in Z-Talk's history, there was this uh, uh, notion in the old chat rooms when people would actually show up and chat with each other that you you got to be careful about inviting a demon into your home or things like that because bad things can happen. And, of course, you know, me being the skeptic and the kind of guy that I am, immediately, immediately in the chat room wrote, I hereby invite a demon into my house. And they go, oh, dim, you got to be careful. You know, said, yeah, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. So, okay, I, I last week uh, I got the Satan mask, and I think you know Satan, hail Satan, is uh, is demon, right? Is a de- It's like the king of the demons, right? Isn't he? You know, it's the he's, he's, he's the top demon guy, right? He's Satan, hail Satan. So anyway, um, Satan, I got him last uh, last week, and I hung him up in my room upstairs, and you know, just this past weekend. Uh, I was, I was talking to Amy about uh, there's a there's a art site that uh, Amy and I have artwork up on. It's called uh, SachiArt.com, and Sachi is spelled S-A-A-T-C-H-I. Now I'll link to it in the show notes. You can get to the show notes by going to Dimland.com and click on the show notes and blog option. And if you're not doing that, you're not getting the whole show because I got more stuff over there. Pictures, you know, if you if you wanted to know what the Satan mask looked like, you'd go to the show notes page. You can see it. So anyway, some time ago, Amy got a notice from the Saatchi Art Site. You can sell stuff on there. You can sell prints. You can sell originals if you decide to do that. And she's got a whole bunch of her art stuff up on there. It's really good stuff. Really neat. Just a variety of kind of uh, uh, of uh, abstract art stuff that she does. Really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. And um, she got a notice from them saying, hey, uh, you know, there's somebody out there that wants to get a whole bunch of your prints of uh, these four or five designs. And the amount of money that Amy would get out of that came up to, you know, like under seven, just under 1700 bucks. And she said, sure. She said, yeah, okay, let's, what do we need to do? And then we worked on stuff that we needed to do. And okay. And that's where it sat for the longest time. 
weren't hearing anything about it. I think there was a couple communications back and forth between Amy and and the and the, and the website people, but you know we never saw any money. <laughs> and so last weekend, you know, after you know, emboldened now that the house has been blessed with Satan, um, I thought I said to Amy, I says, you know, have you heard anything about this? She sold. Not only did she sell a whole bunch of these pieces or you know prints to somebody. Um, but she also sold an original piece of art to somebody. I said, did you ever get paid for that? <laughs> and we looked through and we found that, in fact, she did. It went on to PayPal and she got the whatever money she got out of it. And, and then I said, well, what about these other things? Whatever happened with that? She said, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. I haven't heard anything from them. So she contacted this Saatchi art and said, hey, what's the deal? And Satan smiled down on us from, a, from below and... Um, or smiled up at us from below. Uh, he and and sent his blessings to us, and uh, they they emailed her back saying you hadn't been paid yet. And says no, I, I haven't got anything. We are going to get our accounting or whatever you know the money people to to find out what's going on here. Within like three or four hours, Amy gets a notice from from PayPal. Boom, she got paid. <laughs> and it's a, and we transferred it from PayPal into our checking account, and boom. You know, it's 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 it now it's there, huh? Huh? Hail Satan! Yeah, I'm choosing to look at it as though it's a blessing from you know, like when they say, "Don't let the demons in your house because bad things will happen." Well, good things can happen, right? And this, I mean, it's a coincidence no matter what. So why not look at the Satan mask bringing good luck to us, huh? How about yeah, and actually, like I said, it's just a coincidence. It's no big deal. Uh. A while back, not all that long ago, but uh, a couple, month and a half or something ago, Amy did have a, a job for a little bit, and that, that came to an end. And um, she was working in the evening, and I was going to go pick her up at 8 o'clock or so. But I was coming home from, from work, and I was, I was thinking uh, of making uh, uh, a couple burgers, for, you know, one for me, one for Hayden, because, you know, we're still meat eaters, even though Amy's vegetarian. But... Um, and I remembered, oh, I need to pick up some frozen beef patties. I know we're not gourmet food people, but, you know. Uh, and normally, normally when we get the burger patties, we get them from the supermarket that we do most of our grocery shopping uh, at. But I didn't want to head over there, uh, and there's this mom-and-pop grocery shop just uh, just two blocks away from my office. So I figured I'll stop by there. They have a meat counter in there where they've got a bunch of, you know, you can get meat. All kinds of cuts of meat and stuff like that. But they also have in their frozen section, they, they have uh, meat that they've put in there for, for, that you can sell and make later. And they had some beef patties. And I so I, I okay, uh, I figured, well, I'll get those. You know, there's two patties per package. I bought two two packages and brought them home, figuring, you know, I'll have a burger, Hayden will have a burger, and then we'll have a couple more for later. And we we figured out how to make the burgers with this the other style from from the the supermarket from the, the main grocery store that we go to, and those the burgers look a little different. Now they're all meat, it's all beef, you know, it's all that stuff. But they the ones we would get from from the supermarket, they they didn't quite look the same as the burgers that we got from the mom and pop shop, you know, because well, frankly, those were a little bloodier <laughs> from the mom and pop grocery store a little bloodier looking 
and I didn't think much of it, whatever. So, but when we figured out how to cook the other burgers, uh, we do them. We have a cast iron skillet or pan or whatever that's called, uh, and we would cook them in there. And uh, then we also realized um, we need to put a lid on it because the smoke. And that comes up is it's got some grease in it and that can get around the place so if you put a lid on it it helps to keep it within the pan even though the lid has a tiny little hole to let out some steam and the pan has that little protruding lip on the one side so you can pour grease out of it yeah it's got that there so you get a little smoke coming out from that but it, it minimizes the amount you know the amount we we learned that through trial and error that's like oh we should put a lid on this thing while we cook these and then amy tells me don't press out the juices out of the burger don't do that. You want to keep the juices in the burger. Just kind of move it around on the pan so that it doesn't get all stuck to the one spot and just kind of keep moving it around a little bit. Cook it on one side for a certain amount of time. Flip it over. Cook it on the other side for a certain amount of time. And, and then, you know, put some cheese on it. Put it on a toasted bun with a little butter on the bun and, and some ketchup and some pickles on there for Hayden. And boom, he's happy. You know, and, and okay. So that's what we figured out to do. So I'm doing the same thing. This time, but with the other burgers that are, quite frankly, a little bloodier. At least that's how they look. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy, were they juicier. Oh, boy, were they bloodier. And I don't mean they were so good. Oh, no, 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 no. Cooking them, it was a smoke fest. I just, I was stunned how much smoke was coming up off the pan, out from under the under the lid, you know, through the little hole, through the little lip, you know, just holy crap, look at this! And 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 I and you know, every now and then I got to take the lid off so I can move the thing around. So I do that, and just this whoosh of smoke comes up, just whoosh. Okay, <laughs> I put the lid back on there. <coughs> Jeez, whiz! And I open up the back door for the for in the kitchen. It's the back door of the house. I open up that, and I and I open up a window, and the smoke alarm goes off in the living room. Oh, geez. So I gotta go turn that off, and I go back, and I'm moving the burger around. Smoke alarm goes off again, and I gotta go turn that off, and I go back to the burger, and it's just, a smoke alarm goes off again. So I go back, and I take the smoke alarm off the wall, and I put it on the porch, and then I go back, and I cook him with the burger, and um, I flip it, I flip it over at some point, and I'm trying to be as careful as I can be, because we we cook, uh, we we have a gas stove. So it's you know it's it's so there's flame underneath the uh, underneath the pan. So when I would take the lid up, I was being very careful to uh, keep the the fallout from the lid from underneath the lid because it's just caked in the grease that just kind of comes up off the you know that's just what it does and it cakes to the underside of the lid and it'll pour back into the pan as I pull off the lid. So I'm I'm trying to be very careful to make sure that it just pours back into the pan. And I, and, I, and I do a pretty good job almost every time, except for one time. <laughs> I took the lid off, and the grease comes out, but I didn't have the pan just right, you know, the lid right over the pan. I, it, it was a little off the side, so the, the grease came out, falls down, catches a little bit of the flame underneath, which then just sends that flame coming up from underneath the pan, up into you know, around the edge of the pan and into the pan itself. So it's this burst of flame that comes up about, I don't know, a foot out of the pan. Whoosh! There's this flame, maybe more than a foot, and I'm looking at it, oh, but I know what to do. I've learned what to do. Uh, I put the lid back on. Just put the lid right back on, and that cuts off enough oxygen to the flame so the flames go away. 
and there's no, so nothing that. But the place is filled with smoke. And so they, I finished the burger. You know, put the cheese on it, turn the heat off, put the cheese on it, and, and, and leave the lid on there, and I get the bun ready and everything, and I do it, I get the burger all together, and I bring it upstairs to Hayden, and I open up the windows upstairs, because <laughs> the smoke is up there, it, the whole house is just filled with smoke, and it was really something. And then I went and made a burger for myself. No, of course I didn't. <laughs> the the second burger in that pack just got wrapped up in aluminum foil and both are sitting in the freezer uh my younger brother wants to have a get together at his new house uh for memorial day weekend have the family come up uh for you know one of the one of the days i think i'll bring the burgers up there because this is a burger that needs to be made outside <laughs> this is not an inside burger. We have since gone back to the burgers that we get from from the from the supermarket, and we've made them, and the, and it works the way it's supposed to. But oh boy! Now, and this reminded me of something that happened way back in the '70s. Uh, my family, uh, we were all still, you know, we were the kids were just kids still, and uh, you know, we're all living in the same house again. And I think we were all in the living room. This is after supper. Um, we hadn't started doing the cleanup yet or anything like that, and Mom had made some meat meal. Now, my parents have an electric stove, so, so you know, that has the coils on the top. And the, uh, the coils, when they get hot enough, you know, they get red, they turn red. You know, they get, you know, this, or red, orange red or something like that, and when they get hot enough. Uh, but apparently, Mom had left a pan that had some grease in it, and she had left it on one of the burners that hadn't gotten turned off all the way. Turned down enough so that you couldn't see it glowing, but still hot enough that it was cooking away at the grease that was in the pan. Just kind of, still just kind of cooking away. Now we're all, the, the family's out in the living room, just the next room, and the light's off in the kitchen, and we're all sitting out there, and at some point we hear a whoop, kind of a sound, like flame, flame on. And we look out into the kitchen, which was dark before, but now there's this orange flickering light showing in the kitchen. And Dad jumps up, looks in the kitchen, and he looks back at all of us, and he says, everyone out of the house right now. Everyone out. And he points to the front door, which is just off, you know, there in the living room. So we all, we all pile out. Now, this is the middle of winter, or, you know, this is winter. There's snow out on the ground. Not on the sidewalk, so we're standing on the sidewalk, probably in our socks. And he says, "Everyone out!" You know, I mean, I mean, there was no questioning him. Just, just get out. So we all did. And then Dad, he told us what he did. Um, he had, he we see the the back door of the house comes off the kitchen, but it's not really on the back of the house. I mean, opposite side from the front door. It's on a side. But we still the back door, that's what we call it. But it's on the side of the house. So it's just around the corner from the front of the house and back toward the back of the house. But it's on the side. So we're standing out there. And what we see is uh, this giant fireball go up into the sky outside the back door. Okay, I'm exaggerating. But we did see you know, like the, an orange you know, light kind of reflect off the neighbor's house. And what, what Dad did was... He grabbed the pan, you know, by the handle, and he carefully but quickly moved to the back door, opened up the back door, headed outside, and I either I, I'm pretty sure 
if he had dumped the stuff in, he must have got real low, close to the snowbank and dumped it, or just dropped the pan into the snowbank. And when the the snow and the flame and the grease came together, it was a poof, a, you know, big burst of flame. Because that's what happens when you put water on a grease fire. You don't use water to put out a grease fire because that's just, it's, a, it's an explosive combination. Well, no, nobody was harmed. Dad was okay. The pan ended up being all right. The snowbank suffered a little, but uh, you know there. You know that was just it, it put me in the mind of what happened at that point. I'm glad that I'd learned since then. Just put the lid on it. You put the lid on it. But that made me think of uh, something that happened when I was working at Wendy's. Now this would have been in the late '80s, 1988 or so, and. Uh, uh, at that time, I was uh, the I was a crew leader, which meant that I was a manager in everything but uh, title and pay. Uh, I would run shifts. I'd open. I do the opening shift on the weekends and closing shift during the week. Uh, so that means that I would get in if I was opening. I would get in a couple hours before the manager for the day would show up, and I'd get in and I get the registers set up, and I, I'd get you know things going, and the the clean the the, the other people that would come into work, I'd give you know assign. They'd know what they were supposed to do. Pretty much the crews were pretty experienced, for the most part, and and you know I'd do that, uh, set everything up, and if I closed, then I would you know the the manager would get to leave a couple hours or an hour before we close, and then I'd make sure that the close went smoothly, and 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 did the deposit for you know the money for the day, make the deposit at the bank, and and do all that kind of stuff, and make sure everybody gets out of the building at the same time, and 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 safely to their cars or whatever, and um, and help them out to get the store closed. And the close, and we call it a store. I know it's a restaurant, but we called it a store. I don't know why. This is what we called it. Um, so the, it would close at uh, 10 o'clock in those days. And um, I, was, I was in the back in the office. Uh, there was, a, you know, there are younger people that work in there. I mean, they're probably teenagers, some of them anyway. And there was a there was a young fellow that was doing the grill close, and that that means cleaning off the grill and then uh, stri uh, um, cleaning the fryer vats. Uh, you you would you would take there's a heating element that sits in the fryer vat, and that's for the French fries, and that heating element is it's a coil, uh, uh, and it heats up. And I, I I don't know if it turned color or not, if it turned if it would glow red or not. I'm not sure, but it would get hot enough to heat the oil to the to fry the french fries um but you would turn that off and you could there was a little uh, uh, uh handle that you could unhook and lift up so that the coils would come up out of the oil and it would hinge at the back part where the temperature uh uh dial was connected you put that up in the air and you let it cool for a while and then you take the pan out pour it through a filter into another into another pan and once that's all filtered out you either put it back you, know, you put it back if you're going to reuse it otherwise you just pour it into the pan and take it outside if we're getting rid of it and pour it into a, a an oil collection thing that we had out there you know the vegetable oil stuff and then a truck would come out every week or something and suck the stuff out of there and take it away and do whatever they do with it um so but it's very important to remember to turn off the heat elements, make sure that they're all the way off before you take them out of the oil. Well, I'm in the back doing whatever I'm doing, and I hear Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo. That's what they called me back then. Uh, and I, I run up front, and there is one of the fryer elements that's up into the up in the air, 
It's out of the oil, and it's on fire. Now, it's not a huge flame, stuff, but it's, it's on fire. Now, you don't want to put it back in the oil. Maybe I could have if I'd done it quick enough, or maybe he had the pan out of there or something that it wasn't, you know, because I think he might have been dumping the, the, the oil into the, into the pot and when the flames came up. So, so I, I go up there and I said to somebody, you know, get water. And I was like, wait, don't get water. Because <laughs> you put water on that, it's just going to make it bad. Um, and I, uh, what I ended up doing was I grabbed a couple of uh, uh, wash towels that we use to clean off the counters and all that stuff. And they were damp. You know, we we'd, we'd have like a, a, a pan, a, a plastic pan that they would sit in in water that's got some bleach in it or some cleaning solution or some, I think it was bleach inside there. Um, and you take it out and squeeze it out and then wipe down a surface or something, some disinfectant or something in there. Anyway, so I, 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 you know, I grabbed a couple of these towels and, and, and they were damp uh, so that it wasn't just soaking wet kind of thing. And I just put them up and over the coils. I turned off the heat, put them over the coils, and I tamped out the fire. And then I... You know, emergency's over. I turn and I look at the young fellow who didn't get the thing turned off. And I just, I just, I gave him a look. But I didn't say, I don't recall, I think I didn't, I didn't say anything to him. I just gave, turned and gave him a look. And then I turned and went back to the office. Sat down for a couple of minutes just to calm myself down. And once I got myself gathered again, went up front and I... I bitched the hell out of that guy. No, I didn't. No, I just said, uh, I just said, okay. Now you know what happened. You got to remember, turn off. Make sure that heat is turned all the way off. If you you had you 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 had it mostly off, but not off enough. So you got to make sure to turn it all the way. Off. And he said, okay, sorry, Jimbo. And I said, that's okay. Everybody survived. No real harm done. <laughs> so just remember. <sighs> Fire, it's, it's no fun. But don't throw water on a grease fire. If your pan catches fire fire in the grease pan, greasy pan, you got a lid, put the lid on it. Or throw it in a snowbank, you know, whichever you have handy. Actually, put the lid on it. Uh, I'm going to take my first break. You're listening to Dim Land Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return after uh, these words from our not-sponsors. News, 100% information, 100% guarantee. I thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Are you looking for a science based medical podcast to answer all your questions about health? Check out the body of evidence. Whether you're curious about the potential benefits of omega-3s or the potential risks of vaping, we take a look at the body of evidence to separate the noise, the hype, the lies from actual scientific rigor. 
We do it with comedy skits. The only logical thing to do is for me to take off all my clothes and run into the street. No, remember the first rule of podcasting. Always keep your pants on. With jingles. Some are thrilled, some are not. And by, you know, discussing what the evidence has to say on the topic at hand. Or unless that is a pill, but yeah, it has it has the side effects of bloating, gas, and greasy stool, which makes it very unpleasant. The Body of Evidence. Find it at bodyofevidence.ca or on your favorite podcast app. The Body of Evidence. Medicine that tastes funny and science made easy. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, six. Six. Six people. Of 6.8 million people to have received the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine developed uh, blood clots particular kind of blood clot that's that can be pretty severe um, six people of 6.8 million people to have received the Johnson and Johnson vaccine uh, that is less than one in in one million for every million people getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, one will get this, this blood clot thing, it seems. That's statistically like nobody. It's zero. It's not nobody to the person that gets it, uh, gets a blood clot, whatever. But it's, it's, it's still, it's, 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 it's statistically it's nobody. And so what the, um, the CDC and the FDA have recommended that there's a pause at this point in giving out the Johnson & Johnson vaccine so that they can look a little deeper into the six cases, see if maybe there's more cases, and see if it is related to the vaccine or not. Uh, the six cases were all women, between the ages of 18 and 48, I saw it suggested that, uh, you know, well, a question to somebody said, were these women on birth control? Because, you know, uh, birth control, they, they were suggesting that birth control could maybe be responsible for blood clots. It could have been something else. Might not be the vaccine or, or whatever. And I I looked at it as, I, geez, it seems like it's a bit of an overreaction. It's overly cautious, seems like. And the danger, that is, as my estimate, and I'm not a doctor, 
I'm not. I, I just play Doctor Online. You know, I don't, I'm not an expert on this. I'm I'm as lay person as as anybody else when it comes to this. Uh, but I looked at it and I thought, I don't know, six people out of almost seven million. Really? Because you know, I, 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 I'm sure you know people having adverse effects to aspirin are, you know, a far, far greater percentage than that. Seems like you've got a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Yeah, maybe. Um, and the and so the danger is that uh, a couple of things. Because we talked about it on Facebook, and one person said, "Well, why, you know, what's the big deal? Just use one of the other vaccines." And, and I said, "What will be the problem here?" And I just suggest, "Well, availability." I mean, I don't know for certain, but there might be parts of this country, the United States, that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine was the vaccine for the area, or you know that, and so now they don't have one. Now they're pausing, and then people are waiting. I was going to get the vaccine, but now they paused it. So you know. So there's that. So that extends the period of time when so, when people aren't getting vaccinated, which which can lead to more time for more infections. And more infections, well, the infections have a higher uh, higher death rate than one in a million. So you know, it's like it seems like geez, you know, if you get that many more infections because people aren't able to get the uh, to get the Johnson and Johnson one. And the other two, the Pfizer and the Moderna, aren't available in their area. You know, huh? Maybe. And then there's the 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 vaccine hesitancy. You know, the anti-vaxxers aren't going to get it no matter what you do. But those that are on the fence, I don't know. You know, it hasn't been. You know, it's not technically it's not approved by the FDA. Uh, it's been approved for emergency use, and it hasn't gone through the full process of approval that the normal vaccine would go through. But this is not normal times. But it's been shown to have a you know an efficacy threshold that's higher than most flu shots are. It's been shown to be safe, and it's bearing out to be that as the vaccines are being given out. Uh, as far as the um, uh, as far as the efficacy of them. The Pfizer is, is at 91% effective. This is in real life usage now. Moderna is at 90%, and the Johnson and Johnson is at 72%. So, you know, and that's better than a lot of flu shots are. So, um, those people who are hesitant about getting the vaccine that might have been leaning toward, you know, maybe I'll get it. Now they hear about this. And, oh, it causes blood clots. Well, maybe it does. But it's if it does, it was six people in 6.8 million people. Only, that's, I mean, that's... <sighs> but it might lead to people being, well, I, I, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And that hesitancy. But then, you know, you think about this. And you realize, well, the CDC and the FDA—they know this, they understand this, and it's a—it's a balance they have to walk. It's a something they're doing here. Um, and, and before I get to the uh, the last word on this little segment here, 
Uh, I'll mention that there's also been an article, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, uh, CN, uh, CNN and other outlets are reporting that uh, despite being fully vaccinated, meaning they've gotten, you either got the Johnson & Johnson shot or the two courses of shots from Pfizer, Moderna, and then had that uh, two-week period after getting either the second dose or the one dose, depending on what they're getting, that two-week period after it for the immune system to, you know, come, you know, work up what it needs to do to deal with the with uh, the virus should it be exposed. That's when they figure once you've got past that, you're considered fully vaccinated. And so an article comes out, um, or this news comes out that uh, 5,800 people fully vaccinated still got COVID. Uh, of that 5,800 people, 396 of them had to be hospitalized, and 74 died. Now that's out of 77 million fully vaccinated people. So the deaths in that works out to 1 in 10 million, right? I hope I did my math right. That works out to 1 in 10 million. So the people are getting a little uh, freaked about that. They're looking at that and saying, uh, you know, and, and there was discussion about it. And it's just like 5,800 people out of 77 million. It's a bigger, I'm, I'm not even sure how it compares to the 6 out of 7.8 or 6.8 million or 7 million. I'm not even sure how that, if, if it's a bigger percentage or not. But it's not that much different. And it just shows, you know, it's just this, this idea, it, it becomes that, well, I thought this stuff was safe. Yes, it is safe, but it's it's not 100%. And it's effective, but it's not 100%. If you're expecting 100%, you've, you're living in a fantasy land. So it's, it's you know, it, it's, but it's, it's uh, so much safer than the illness that it's protecting us against. And it's so much more effective than, I don't know, relying on having a strong immune system. So the hesitancy is there, problems there uh, that, that can happen. And uh, so now with these couple of numbers coming out, people are, you know, well, maybe, maybe it's a problem. Again, I think it's an overreaction. Uh, but I'll, I'll give the last word. I'm going to read it. I'm getting the paper out here. You can hear me shuffling papers. Uh, to a, a friend that's uh, one of the Minnesota skeptics, and this person I, I consider to be, at least in, in comparison with me, an expert, because this person, she is a pharmacist. And so she's definitely more of an expert than I would be. And she says that, uh, she says this, I think the pause is necessary, if nothing else to get the word out about treating any future incidents the proper way. Yes, it will likely increase hesitancy, but if they didn't pause and word got out about these cases, there would be an even higher or an even bigger outcry. It will likely make screening to receive J&J, Johnson Johnson, more complicated if the okay is to use or the okay to use moves forward but to a certain population. It would be good for them to know of this small risk. So, yeah, she gets the last word on that. But, 
before I get off vaccines. I still see people just sharing silliness. And I saw a really good cartoon. It's crudely drawn. It's not drawn very well. But its message is highly polished. Its cartooning might not be, but the message is. And what you see in the cartoon, and I'll put again, I'll put this on the show notes page, is a mother and their and her child. They're talking to each other, and uh, you can see the mom's upper arm with a little what looks like well, which we figure out is a little scar on that arm. Now, if you're a certain age, like my age, you have a scar on your shoulder that you got when you were very young. And it's it's the it's the smallpox uh, vaccine scar, and the way they would administer that uh, vaccination is they'd have this little uh, like a like a double bladed like a knife kind of thing that they would dig into your skin, give it a little twist, and, they, and that would have and then they would introduce the, the the vaccine in that way. I don't know why they did it that way, but that's how they did it. And so there's there's there are, there are generations of people that have that that scar. You know, my parents have it. I have it. My wife does not. She's under the age of Mercury. And, and and our son Hayden, he doesn't have it. Okay, so the cartoon has the child asking the mom, uh, what's that, what is that scar on your arm? And the mom says, it's, that's my smallpox uh, vaccination scar. And then the child asks, well, why don't I have one? And the mom says, because it worked. And that's why my wife doesn't have one. That's why our son doesn't have one. That's why people under a certain age, maybe under the age of 50, don't have that scar because it worked. And we don't have smallpox anymore. Where am I at in time here? Oh, I'm in time for my second break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this break. To Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on channels. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. 
getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Wake up! Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ZTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. A friend of mine, uh, his name's Scott Roberts, uh, he does internet radio stuff, video, YouTube video stuff. Uh, he's, uh, uh, he's not, uh, he, he's, he's, he's not the, the uh, scientific skeptic that I am. Now, he considers himself to be a, a skeptical about stuff, and he does have some skepticism in him, but just not enough. <laughs> just not enough, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and he probably thinks I have too much. Uh, he shared uh, something that's been on YouTube, I guess, for a couple of years, uh, but he must have just seen it recently. A, uh, I'm, we're going to talk Bigfoot. And we're going to talk... The most famous bit of Bigfoot footage, the most compelling piece of evidence that there is that Bigfoot exists. It's a 54-year-old film. In 54 years, nothing better than that. Now, he would argue with me, oh yeah, there's been other stuff better. No, no, there hasn't. There hasn't been anything better than than that bit of film, than that minute-long film of a Bigfoot walking across a clearing in Northern California in 1967. There's, there, there, that's, that's, and, 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 the, and I've talked about this bit of film before. Talked about how it, it, it's, it's, it's it, the object that we're looking at, the creature we're looking at, is just close enough to the camera to be tantalizing, but just far enough away from the camera so you can't get any useful detail. That you can't really get any conclusive detail. You can't make a conclusion conclusion about what this thing is. Is it an actual animal, a primate that we've not discovered in, yet in the 54 years since this film, or is it a guy in a costume? People look at that thing, and it wasn't until fairly recently where I could figure out the pendulous breasts. Because they say it's a female, Bigfoot, because it has pendulous breasts. Oh, the pendulous breasts. Oh, so pendulous. And very furry. Huh, it's funny. Primates don't have furry breasts. Oh, well. Anyway, um, and, it's, and, 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 and so, so one person's, one cryptozoologist's pendulous breasts and rippling leg muscles... Is a as a as a skeptic's uh, folds in a costume. I do think the thing has a weird-looking butt. It doesn't have a butt crack. Gorillas do. And the butt looks you know the I, the butt kind of looks more like a like a chimpanzee's butt. Not that I've done a great study of this, but a gorilla's butt is more muscular. It has a it has a crack. It has it looks more like a more like a people butt. 
a little bit more, but a very muscular one. Real tight, and you could bounce a quarter of a mile off that thing. But, <laughs> no intent. Uh, anyway, so it, it's, but this one doesn't have, it's just, just this flat kind of surface sort of thing. It just, it, it, I don't know. But it's still, like I said, it's the most compelling piece of evidence, and yet, at best, it's inconclusive. What I would have liked to have seen is uh, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin, the two fellows that ca captured this bit of film. What I would have liked to have seen was another film by those two fellows where they're in the same spot, and Roger says to Bob, Bob, why don't you walk the path? that this animal walked, and then we can kind of gauge what how, how tall it is. Now, it, it, I've read some stuff. There was conflicting reports about how tall the thing was. Uh, Roger Patterson was saying that he thought it was like six foot six, maybe. Um, and then at some point, they, they added a foot to that saying it was like seven, seven foot six. You know, they were saying it was that. But this Grover Krantz, who was an actual scientist, he believed that Bigfoot was was really possible he really did and he was you know scientific about it and everything He's, you know, which is which is good but he still he he his level of evidence was not i would say high enough but he's respected he was he's he's gone he's gone now but he was saying that the thing was probably more like six foot. They did find the place where this took where this video or film was taken in about 2011 they haven't been. They you know, they weren't able to find it until then apparently. Um, so they kind of do some measurement stuff. But uh, my friend Scott was saying that it's been measured at nine feet tall. Well, it's not. I don't think so. But the reason why I'm bringing it up again is because he shared this video from YouTube, which is a it's a one it's a little closer up, slowed down. And it's stabilized because the video is very, uh, the film is very shaky. Uh, Patterson says, you know, he's thrown off his horse or something, and he's he's trying to get the camera set up and going, and he and and he yells at uh, at, uh, at at Gimlin over there. He says, get your rifle, get your rifle, because I you know, I'm going to go after this thing and take film of it. But you get your rifle ready to cover me, that kind of thing. Anyway, so this thing just walks along, looks over its right shoulder, and heads off into the woods. And it's. Eh, you know, it's it's really cool, and the and the, and the stabilized uh, uh, this particular bit of uh, video that's come out a couple of years ago, it's really pretty cool, and it's still kind of compelling, but it's again, it's inconclusive. It's like yeah, it could be a guy in a costume. If there are things that they've pointed out about the the you know, if it's a female, then it shouldn't have the kind of pointed head thing that it has because that's not what primates typically have but of course you know well this is a different kind of primate i don't know and this kind of primate doesn't have a butt crack well you would think it would because look at those legs the, the the rippling muscle or the folds of the costume and those pendulous breasts oh the pendulous breasts or the folding costume <laughs> but i bring it up because Everybody's got a camera now, and we still haven't gotten any better video. There are trail trail cameras put out by wild, you know wildlife preservation groups, uh, you know government groups, private groups. There are tra trail cameras all over the place capturing rare events. There are people with with their with their phones capturing rare events. 
YouTube is filled with it. And some people say, well, you know, you, you, you're not always able to grab the camera out and get the film that you need to get, you know, or the video that you need to get going. It, it, and, of course, that leads to a lot of portrait video because people don't have the time to put their camera in the right position and get it into the landscape so they can get a decent viewing. But, you know, that's what happens when you're in a hurry. But still... So many things are captured on, on video. And yet, no better evidence for the existence of Bigfoot. I know there's a saying among skeptics and among others that you know absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. But sometimes, it's a long enough time with no evidence that you say, you know... <laughs> It's probably not there. There's a thing called the null hypothesis, and if I understand it correctly, it's it's holding that whatever the claim is, it's holding that that claim isn't true because there isn't any evidence to suggest that it is true. And until that evidence, you know, good evidence for it being true, we hold with the null hypothesis. And that's where we're at with Bigfoot. We're at the null hypothesis. We still have not found any really good evidence of it existing. It'd be way cool if it did. It would be. You know, the mountain gorilla of Kenya, I think it was, was thought to be a myth until, you know, European scientists found it. European scientists thought it was a myth until they found it. And now we can find it again. We know where it is in, in, the, in the wild, and they can be found. So, and when there's, there's this other fellow that does a bunch of uh, uh, things with that particular bit of film. Oh, his name is Davis or something or whatever. I'll link to one of the things that he shows because it, 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 he's looking at this, this bit of film and thinking that the Bigfoot is carrying something in its left hand. And I look at it and I say, that's his left hand. He's not carrying anything. It's just the it's just the palm side of his left hand. You're just looking a little too closely. Just you know, you're just being a little too. You know, what's there? What is he holding? Well, nothing. It's just air. That's what he's holding. Anyway, but but it is it is pretty neat looking. The the stabilized thing closer up as it's looking over the shoulder and it's walking along and on. It's just, it, it is pretty interesting. And you know, do you ever do this? Because I do this. Um, I, I it, it pops into my head anytime I'm walking across the street and I look over my right shoulder, and I'm walking at that pace, you know, swinging my arms, you know, legs going. And it, it, I mean, the Bigfoot in there walks a lot like a person, like a human walks. Doesn't walk like a chimpanzee walks or a gorilla walks. Doesn't walk like that. It walks like a person, but that's just what this primate does. Well, we we you know we don't know that because we don't know that that primate exists, so we don't know what it is that it does. We can't make any declarative claims about it because we don't know if it exists. We don't know <laughs> anything about it because we haven't found it. We can speculate on certain aspects of it, and we can say, well, if it's a primate. It should be more like, you know, act more in this fashion, judging by its size and all this kind. Of, we, you know, we can say that, but I don't know. Uh, I watched this movie 
uh, called American Hot Wax. It's from 1978. It's uh, the reason I watched it was I was listening to um, uh, the Gilbert Gottfried podcast, and uh, um, Gilbert's guest was uh, Lorraine Newman. And she'd been on Gilbert's podcast before, and she's back again. She's a very interesting guest, very cool. Uh, she's got neat stories, not just about Saturday Night Live. She was one of the original cast members of Saturday Night Live, but she was, you know, she's an actor and she's done things and written things, and you know, she's she's done other stuff. She's got a book out, and um, she's been in movies, and she was in this movie called American Hot Wax, and they talked about it briefly, uh, and and. Um, the, uh, um, Gilbert's uh, his co-host Frank was talking about how good that movie is and all that and I thought huh and, he, and Frank said it's it's on YouTube you can check it out on YouTube it's not it's hard to find it because there's so it, it's about rock and roll the early days of rock and roll and it's it's about the uh, the, the the DJ Alan Freed who was very influential. In the early days of rock and roll music, it's been said that he coined the phrase rock and roll, coined the term rock and roll. And, um, Kitty, I'm doing a show. Here she comes. Just has to make me. So anyway, Alan Freed plays this very influential DJ. Uh, he fell in trouble with the law with the payola scandal, which was, you know, play to pay records kind of thing. He fell victim to that, and, and his career was short-lived, but he was very influential. And um, uh, so this film is about him, and it's loosely... You know, this, and Lorraine Newman plays a character that's based on Carol Kane. Carol King. Carol King, based on Carol King, who was a songwriter uh, from back in the 50s. She was just like a teenage girl that just you know wrote songs, and she got into the business... Uh, she co-wrote the song Pleasant Valley Sunday, which was a big hit for the uh, Monkees, and she's done a whole bunch of other songs as well. And and so she, Lorraine Newman plays that kind of character, and it's it's this whole. Uh, the film is man, I tell you, it's it's just like a it's like a a, a series of vignettes loosely strung together with this idea that Alan Freed is is he's upsetting the straights. You know, oh, this rock and roll music's gonna. This is animal music, and it's gonna make our kids into monsters, and uh, and 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 leading up to a big rock and roll show where it's a bunch of of the artists of the day are going to be uh, performing. Um, Chuck Berry's in the film along with uh, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis playing themselves in the show, and it's you know that's that's kind of fun. Um, but and but the film, let me warn you, if you watch it on YouTube. For me, the first 25 minutes of that film were very hard to get through because it's just non-stop, almost non-stop cacophony. It's just constant conversation, people talking over each other. It's hard to follow. It's constant chaos surrounding Alan Freed. Everywhere he goes, it's chaos around him. Everywhere he goes. And it's just until about 25 minutes into the film it's an hour and a half film it's you know so the first third of the movie is, is this and it finally sort of settles down a little bit and I was like, I had to stop it after like 15 minutes and say okay I have to come back to this because this is just too much so yeah, it might be a little difficult for you but it doesn't have much of a plot it's just it's it's an odd movie as far as that goes um, it's Tim McIntyre he plays Alan Freed 
Fran Drescher is in the movie as well. Jay Leno is in there. He plays a pig. And I don't mean an actual animal pig. I mean a pig. A man that's uh, you know after Fran Drescher's character. And is, is uh, uh, to say that he's fresh is, uh, is being soft. <laughs> it's not being harsh enough because he's just a pig. Um, it does have a nice opening. It's pretty quiet. It's just following Alan Freed, getting into the radio, the building that the radio station's in, going up to the to the studio. Excuse me, I have to take a swallow here. <clears throat> I don't know, my throat gets dry. Um, he gets into the station. Uh, he gets into his studio. <coughs> Excuse me again. You can just hear him kind of walking along, opening a door, closing a door. It's very quiet until he plays his first record. And the first record is Tutti Frutti by um, Richard Little. That's uh, Richard, Richard, Little Richard. <laughs> Little Richard. <laughs> anyway. It, it, and that's that's a nice beginning. I like it. But the thing is, it's time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? I don't know if I'd necessarily say if I should say that they got something wrong, but it's kind of dumb. Uh, it's something that I wouldn't advise doing. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have a piece of advice for the station manager, who I assume that's who the person is. Okay, Alan Freed walks in, gets into his studio. Uh, he hasn't gone on the air yet. It's all quiet. And on the console that he sits at is a stack of 45s, singles, vinyl, the old type records for you kids is a stack of them and on top of that stack is is a piece of paper with uh, you can see like the stationery for the, the the letterhead for the station you can see that up there and written in marker it says w r o l that's the radio station don't playlist set on that stack of records so freed picks up the the, the piece of paper Shows it to the camera so the audience can see what it says on there. He does it kind of nonchalantly, but you know. And then he puts it aside, and he takes the first record off the stack, puts that on the on the turntable, and plays the song. He's and he says he says uh, oh I think I wrote it down. He says this is Alan Freed and this is rock and roll. And then Tutti Fruity plays. That plays. And while that song's playing, the station manager, I'm assuming the station manager, comes running in there, saying, what the hell are you doing? It's right there on the list. It's the top song that you're playing, the number one song on the list to not play. We don't play these songs. I don't want these songs played on the list. And, I, and, I, and I'm watching him just losing his, his shit about this. And I wanted to say, if you don't want him, and I did say it, I said I was watching, if you don't want him to play those songs, don't have the records. You got the stack of records right there. Don't play these. Okay, you don't want me to play these? Don't have them in here. It's pretty simple. 
Okay, now before I get out of here, <laughs> it's an interesting movie. Uh, you know, watch it, give it a chance. I, it's it's uh, like I said, the, the beginning third of that movie it gets it it gets difficult to get through. Uh, but you know, it gets better, and some of the mu- you can tell there's a lot of passion for the music. Uh, it's a little hokey, uh, but it you know it it it's okay. <laughs> And it has a weird narrative structure to it. It's just, just, just like I said, it's just a series of vignettes, loosely put together, heading in a direction. But it's, it just, it doesn't. It, it feels odd. Uh, but anyway, I have a cool thing. I got my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine today. It, it was, uh, you know, I showed up. It was a, it was kind of busy at the uh, clinic that I went to and go into the first room. Now, my wife had done this a couple weeks ago, and and so uh, she was kind of talking me through what to expect. And I walk into this room where they, they hedge it in there, and I walk in that room, and then they'd say, well, uh, you have to fill out this form, but you got to sit down. you got to wait in here. We're having people wait in here. Oh, well, they're counting the doses, making sure they have enough doses to give out, I guess. Oh, and I thought, great. <laughs> you better. Well, they did. I got in there. Found, you know, got a station, got my shot. Uh, as of this moment, this is some six hours later. Um, my shoulder is slightly sore. We'll see what happens. You know, in, after a little more time goes by, but so far so good. It, it, you know, and again, I keep telling you guys, get your vaccine when it's available. Don't be hesitant about it. Get it. It may not be 100% effective, and it may not be 100% safe, but it is very effective, and it is very safe. Okay? So just don't hesitate. Get it. If you want things to return to some form of normal, we need everybody to get vaccinated. Good night, Frau Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, that's the end of another show. I'll link to a lot of the stuff I talked about. You check out that Bigfoot thing. It's kind of cool looking, but still, it's not very conclusive. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Remember to you know wash your hands, wear your masks, keep your distance, get vaccinated when you can, and sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Well, well, I'm going, I'm going to hell. hell.